You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Good morning. Hope you guys are ready to stand for a while. We got a pretty big passage today. Um, we're going to be reading Jude 24 and 25. Um, please stand while we read God's word. <laughs> Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody? All right, we are in Jude. If you have a Bible, I really strongly encourage you to go to Jude chapter well, it's chapter 1, right? Uh, those last two verses, verse 24 and 25. Uh, if, you're, you, if you have a digital device like a phone, uh, go, use your phone. Because I, I want you to see some things here as we get into the passage. But what I want to do is I just want to just, just kind of survey where we've been in Jude leading up to these, uh, these heavenly, like, Godward verses at the end of Jude. It's, it's interesting that Jude at the beginning says, you know, I wanted to just, just celebrate with you this faith that we share together, but I really feel compelled to, 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 to call you to contend for the faith. That was a, the beginning of, of Jude. But then all through these verses, he's celebrating this faith that he shared with these, these believers who are in danger. Uh, here's what I want to say. Jude is not the only place where we're warned in the Bible about the possibility of falling away. We see this all throughout scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, we're told, Take care, brothers, lest there be any, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, uh, we read these words. Now the Spirit expressly says, in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, John was grieved over some who were a part of the church but never really belonged to them he said they went out from us but they were not of us for they had been for if they had been of us they would have continued with us but they went out that it might be become plain that they are all not of us you know this is a real warning and all throughout the new testament and we even see it in the old testament jude kind of took us through you know examples in the old testament he says don't don't forget don't forget the past like I said last week, I quoted Winston Churchill, you know, those who, who, uh, who forget the past are doomed to basically repeat it, the failures of the past. There's a parable Jesus told. It's a parable of, uh, some call it the parable of the sower, some call it the parable of, of the seeds, some call it the parable of the soils. I think it's the parable of the soils. But Jesus shared uh, this parable, and he said, you know, uh, the seed is the gospel. It's the word of God, and it goes out, and, and it's, it's scattered, and some scattered amongst rocks, some scattered amongst thorns, some scattered, you know, on the road, and some scattered on, on good soil. He said, um, you know, these are, the, the, these are ways that people hear the gospel. These are ways that people hear about Jesus. 
You know, one group, uh, they hear about Jesus and the devil snatches the, 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 the news away from them. It comes and takes away, Jesus said, he comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Others hear about Jesus, but the cares and riches and pleasures of life choke out any life that they had in Jesus. And in the third group, all three of these groups, before, before he talked about the soil that actually sprouted real fruit, they're non-believers. These are not Christians, he's describing. The third group Jesus described in his parable is what I believe motivated Jude to write his epistle. When Jesus said that they, that they hear the, the word and what they hear, kind of the roots go down, just, just below the surface, but not really any, any deeper than, than that. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. I think that's what motivated Jude to write his little epistle, his little letter. You know, and we saw, like, in, in the epistle, like, just, the, just the, the language Jude uses to describe these false teachers that crept into the church. They snuck into the church. He describes these people as ungodly people who have the appearance of religion but are rotten to the core. These are people who claim to be Christians. They claim to know Jesus. These aren't atheists he's talking about. He's not, he's not talking about governors outside the church or, or presidents or kings outside the church. He's talking about people who've crept in who claim to know who Jesus is. They walk the way of Cain. They abandon themselves for the sake of gain. They stand condemned before God. On the outside, these false teachers seem harmless. Yeah, there's an element of truth to what they, what they say. But under the surface, they are deadly. They present themselves as spiritual guides, but they are guided only by their greed. They present themselves as alive in Jesus, but they are twice dead. They posture themselves as holy, but they are stained by their own shame and sin. They say that they know where they are going, but their moral and spiritual compass is broken. And, and Jude says, watch out for these people. This is why I had to write my letter to you. I, I'm warning you about these people. And, and not just the, these, these Christians in the first century. He's warning us. Uh, the, he describes these people as grumblers, malcontents, loudmouth boasters who follow their own desires. And the church, the church has been surrounded by a culture that is anti-Christian because it's anti-Christ. Always. God's people have always been surrounded by, by, by people who are antagonistic towards God, antagonistic towards the message of the gospel. And Jude fills his little letter with examples of fallen culture that surrounded God's people. Like, when, after Cain murdered his brother, he was made to wander. He settled in the east of Eden. He's known for being morally bankrupt, violent, immoral. and didn't take long for several generations later to, to uh, introduce polygamy, uh, just a distorted view of, of marriage and uh, a perversion of marriage. And it didn't take much longer after that, several generations after that, you had, you know, you, you had, you were introduced in Genesis chapter 6 to your first harems of, of, of these rulers who were demonically possessed, who were taking on multiple women into their, in, in, into their bedroom. 
And we're told that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And we're, we're reminded that, that before God flooded the earth, before Noah was born, there was a guy by the name of Enoch who walked with God. And then when, after Noah was born, Noah is described as a man who was a preacher of righteousness. God's people have always been surrounded by, by, by a culture that's anti-Christian, anti-Christ. We're surrounded by such a culture today. In America, uh, the god of our culture is sex. This is why just about everything that we hear about is about, you know, you can determine your own sexual identity. You know, it started out with, um, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was conversation about, you know, being born a certain way. That gravitated towards um, now you need to adapt your way, your, yourself to this way or approve of this way. On, sexual, on the website sexualdiversity.org, in 2023, there are now 107 gender identities. In our world, it's estimated 27.6 million people traffic worldwide, and the United States is the worst nation in the world for that. Over half of the criminal trafficking cases in our country involve children of whom many are sold as sex slaves in America. One of the main aggravators for child trafficking is the $97 billion porn industry. It is estimated that over 300,000 America, of America's young population is considered at risk for sexual exploitation. On top of that, you have Planned Parenthood's $2 billion abortion industry. You know, like in, in the Bible days, you know, people were bringing their little children to the arms of Moloch that hung over, over these flames, and they would sacrifice their children by allowing their child to be burned alive. We might not be doing that today, but we're putting our children on the altar of sex. It's in our schools, it's everywhere. We're surrounded by a culture that's anti-Christian and anti-Christ, so what do we do? What is Jude's recommendation to us? We shine for Jesus. Don't, don't expect a world that is anti-Christian and anti-Christ to act as though it's Christian or, or a fan of Jesus Christ. People are lost. We're told the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the, unbel uh, of the unbelieving. Lost people behave like lost people. And as we've seen throughout Jude, is if you're here and you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jude begins with these, these, these pillars of, 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 of who you now are, who your identity now rests in. You're called by the God of all creation. You're beloved in God the Father, and you are kept for Jesus Christ. And because of that, uh, his, you will only know the mercy, the peace, and the love of Almighty God, who is a father to you. And so we don't you know, crawl into a cave somewhere or into a hole or some bunker, collect canned soup, and hope that it all goes away. We shine for Jesus. We're called to go into the world. People need to hear the greatest news in the universe, and that is Jesus Christ lived the life we could never live, died a death that we deserved uh, on a cross for our sins, and on the third day rose from the grave. That's the gospel. 
And so we got a world that's trying to proselytize those who live in it, especially American culture, to, to, to bow down to its God. The God in America, like I said, is sex. So you need to approve. <laughs> you, you need to affirm. That's what the world says. But as a Christian, we represent the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jude tells us, if you're a Christian, for, for you, Jesus is master and Lord. And here's, here's the thing, ready? If Jesus is your Savior, he is your master and he is your Lord. And what that means is that he will make demands upon your life that are for your good and for his glory. Here's what that means. Because I don't know who's watching the live stream. Um, or maybe you're here, maybe you're visiting. Like I, I want you to hear this. There are probably certain sins that you feel enslaved to. There are certain things that you may feel enslaved to. God's grace and his mercy is infinitely bigger than any sin that you've committed or any, anything that you have ever done. And um, this is not in my notes, but I, just, I, I feel compelled to share this. If you're here and you're attracted to the same sex, God is not disgusted with you or by you. We live in a fallen world, and he's bigger than all of your brokenness. He's in the business of taking what is broken and making it whole. He does it with, his, with people. And, and I don't know how many are in this room right now, but there are, however many seats are filled right now, there are, these are the examples of a God who, who takes what is broken and, and, and makes something beautiful, or is making something beautiful out of, out of broken lives. And, and, you know, the danger here, and this is one of the reasons why Jude wrote his letter, is that, that the world, the dangers of the world can find their way into, into the church. You know, more Christians divorce today than ever before. More approve of abortion than ever before in the church. More make life choices based on sexual preference in the church than any time before. And the message of Jude to the Christian is that although the dangers are real and great, God is greater. He who called us, loves us, keeps us, and is protecting us. And he's sending you and he's sending me into this world to be his ambassador. God loves us because he is our Father. God keeps us because Jesus is our Redeemer. God protects us because the Holy Spirit seals and secures us. This is the message of Jude, over and over again. And so, I have uh, three really brief points. This is like the application of, of, these, these, of Jude in this, in this uh, doxology. And the first is this, God is keeping you. God is keeping you, Christian. He's keeping you from something in your life, and that something is stumbling. See, the, the contrast... If, you, if, you, if you're looking at these verses, like, look at verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, the contrast is he's keeping you from stumbling in light of the false teacher who has fallen or, or the person who's bought into the lies of the false teacher. They have fallen. But you, Christian, if you're a true Christian, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if he is master and Lord over your life, he is keeping you from stumbling. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin but he's keeping you. It's that, it's that verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation for you 
That's John chapter 10, where Jesus said, all that the Father's given me, I am holding on to, and, and, and the Father's holding on to them. Like he, the very first verse in, in Jude is that we are beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. There are like many dangers around us. Many dangers. But God is keeping you. I, I, there are, I still see the faces of those who have fallen away from the faith, who rejected Jesus Christ, who were in the church. I have, I have mentors, people who have mentored me who had fallen away from the Lord. And you may know of people as well. I mean, don't think that the, that the danger isn't present in your life. I said last week, you know, Jude gives us a, a strategy for not falling. And that strategy involves uh, building your life upon the Word of God, depending upon the Holy Spirit, and waiting and longing for the appearing of Jesus Christ. But God is keeping you. I read a story this week about uh, Philippe uh, Petit. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Anybody here recognize that name? He's the dude that, that was a tightrope walker in 1974, August uh, 7th. He uh, snuck up to the top of the World Trade Tower and got a, a cable from end to end and walked a, a tightrope across. And, and while police and everybody were, there's actually a movie made about this. Uh, police were just, you know, basically helpless to do anything until he got off of the tightrope. But it said, like, he bowed, you know, to the audiences. He laid down on the tightrope. Like, he did, I think it was like over an hour he was on the tightrope. Uh, you know, if you could do that at the top of the trade tower, how many of you were ever on top of any of the, the, the two trade towers? I was. Uh, it was high, uh, really high. Uh, and those of you who know me, I, I mean, I can't, I hate heights. Like, I... Uh, yeah, I just, um, I like my feet on the ground. Uh, that's, that's how I like them. Like, God did not give me wings. Um, I was not meant to fly. So uh, it took me a while to get over, get over my anxiety over flying uh, in, a, in a plane. And so uh, my philosophy is God gave me feet, and so I should use them. But this guy was renowned for that. Well, I think it was like five months or six months later, he was at a circus, and he was practicing, rehearsing for the circus. Now, if you were able to walk on a tightrope across the trade towers, bow while you're on, the, on, on, the, on this cable and lay down on the cable, get back up and do all this without falling to your death, I, th I would say he's pretty skilled. He's still alive today from what I understand. But six months or five to six months later in St. Petersburg, Florida, he was uh, rehearsing and before, be before the circus thing began and he fell 30 feet. Somebody who witnessed him fall said, heard him say, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I don't ever fall. And he broke multiple bones, he had internal bleeding, and it took him a while to recover. You know, if you're a Christian here, um, your posture cannot be and should not be, I don't ever fall. We're prone to wander, right? That's, a, that's a, a, the, one of my favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount. The words are on the screen, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it with thy spirit from above, 
rescued thus from sin and danger, purchased by the Savior's blood, may I walk on earth a stranger as a son and heir of God. We're, 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 the danger is right before us, but we're told, we're promised, we're assured that God is keeping us. We must keep our eyes upon him. Um, there's a, there's a, John 17, I'm mindful of John 17, something Jesus prayed for. He said, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. This is a prayer for you, by the way, and for me. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me. Who's, who's they, they? It's us, the Christian. That they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. That's Judas, by the way. That the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the, word has, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. You hear that? I do not ask that, they, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And Judas is reminding of, uh, of us that, that God is keeping us from the evil one. And he's speaking to the true Christian here. Which leads me to this next, the next thing that we glean from this passage is that God will finish his work in you. Listen, God will finish the work that he's doing in you. If you belong to him, if you're called by him, and you're, you're beloved in God the Father, and you're kept for Jesus Christ, listen, God will finish his work in you. It may be messy, and it may get ugly sometimes, right? But he's doing a work in you. He's doing a work in you. He's doing something in you. He, here, here's what he says. Um, what is he doing? He is, here it is, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. What he's doing is he's doing this work in you for the purpose of presenting you blameless before his glory. Think about what that means. Think about the significance of it. Jude is saying one day each and every Christian will stand before the God who is three times holy, 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 holy. That's what the angels sing around him, the seraphim. Like we'll stand before him. Now, just so you don't lose the, the irony of, of, of this truth, of this reality, uh, think of some of the ways that God's people responded to the holiness of God. Job, when he, if you ever read, have read through Job, Job is a book about Job's suffering. It's poetry. And towards the end of Job, God says, well, I'm going to talk now. Now, you just listen to me, Job. And so, uh, my friend, who's now home with Jesus, called, called the, the last like three or four chapters of Job the kick-butt chapters of Job, where God says, where were you where I formed the galaxies? Where were you, Job? Where, where were you? And, and so Job's response is that, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I had, listen, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, right? What else does he say? But, let's read this together, ready? But now my eye sees you, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What was, what was Job's response to, to seeing God with, with his ears? You know, as God you know, just said, Job, where were you? It was to retract 
and to repent. There's another passage in Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk said this, I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. He's, re he's responding to the holiness of God. And then who could forget Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Let's read this together, ready? Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And here Jude is saying to us that there's a day coming that God, and he's doing this work in us for the purpose of presenting us before his glory with great joy. Heaven and earth are going to recoil at the presence of this one sitting on the throne. Job recoiled at, the, at, at, at this lesson that he received from God about, about God's holiness. And Habakkuk said, rottenness is like entered in my bones. And, and, and Revelation chapter 20 says, yeah, all but the angels are going are, are gonna to flee away. But there is, listen, there is one creature. There is one creature, according to Jude, one creature that will not recoil, and that is the redeemed woman, the redeemed man, and the redeemed child who will stand before Jesus Christ. We will not recoil because we will be presented blameless before the God of all creation, and not only will we be presented blameless before him, we, he will present us blameless with great joy. That's the gospel. He's doing that in your life. He's doing it in my life. Before the one of whom the angels cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. We will be presented before that glory, and the, the one on the throne will take great joy in the redeemed. So, on that day, we will stand before God fully aware that it was not by any power of our own that resulted in our presentation as being blameless, but on one outside of ourselves, namely Jesus Christ. Tim Keller said, who just went home, he went home to be with the Lord not long ago. His memorial service was this week. He said, God invites us to come as we are, not to stay as we are. And this God is doing this work in your life, and he's doing it in my life, and, and it's amazing. Um, which leads me to the third thing that we learn from this passage, and that is God is delighting in you. God is delighting in you. you. As you stand before the one before whom all of heaven and earth will flee, not only will you stand before him blameless, but you will do so knowing that he delights in you. I think some of you need to hear this. The cross of Jesus Christ is evidence, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is evidence that God is not disgusted with you. He is delighting in you. All your sin was nailed to the cross. All... <laughs> All the righteousness that you would ever need would need to be presented before the one who is three times holy was accomplished by Jesus. And when God sees you, he does not see your sin. He sees the righteousness of his own son for all of eternity. He is not disgusted with you. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father turned his 
turned himself away from the son. And in that moment, he was disgusted with the son as the son bore all of our sins upon the cross. That's why Jesus, in Gethsemane, he, he, we're told that he prayed, and he, as he prayed, he suffered great anxiety over what he was and was committed to do, and that is to die in our place for our sins, that he sweat great drops of blood. And the reason why he did that is because he would become a curse for us in our place on that cross. So when God sees you, he doesn't see a curse he sees the righteousness of his own son, and we're told that he delights in you. He delights in you. If you're wondering, well, well what does that really mean? Well, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. I think it's the equivalent of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let's, let's read it. Ready? The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God will exult over you with loud singing. On that day, Jude is telling us that this God who will present us blameless, with, he'll do that with great joy. And that word for joy is he will exult over you. He will exult over you. He will not look upon you with disgust or disappointment. He will look upon you as a father looks upon a child and he will exalt over you. Um, he will keep the true Christian from stumbling and falling in the manner that the false Christian and the false teachers had fallen. There will be people around you who will fall. But the true Christian is the one that God keeps and that he will not let go. There are scores of Bible verses that I could take you to, and we don't have time for that, but I just want you to hear that. Um, he, he, so, so now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, as God is exalting over us. With, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This leads me to the final point, and that is God is doing all of these things, all of these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why Jews are like, don't trade in Jesus. And that's why I've said from the very beginning in the, in the sermon series, Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. You cannot understand God if you do not know Jesus or understand Jesus. If you get Jesus wrong, you'll get God wrong. If you get Jesus right, you'll get God right. And so that, that's the point here. What is it that the, these false Christians are, are, are known for? They reject Jesus as master and Lord over their lives. And, um, and there's a whole host of things that are listed in terms of characterizing who these men are and women. God is doing all these things through Jesus Christ. Here, I want you to see this. So this is why I want you to see this in your Bible. Um, Notice what he does here. <laughs> I, I think I said at the beginning of my sermon series in this little epistle that uh, the first two verses, the first two verses in Jude is the, is the front bookend of the epistle, and the last two verses in Jude is the, is, the end, is the other bookend. So you have two bookends here. The first bookend uh, is, you know, it says, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. The, the other bookend, 
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. And what I want you to see, and I'll have it on the, well, I'll have it on the screen here. Um, notice what he does here. Notice what Jude does here. To those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. The only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. You're called. Because you're called, you're beloved in God the Father. And because you're beloved in God the Father, you're kept for Jesus Christ. And this is the, this is the object, he's the object of our affection. He's, he's the groom of the church. And let's go to the next slide. And the second verse of Jude May mercy, peace, love be multiplied to you. And then verse 24. <laughs> How do we know that mercy, peace, and love is being multiplied upon us? Well, verse 24, to him who is able to keep you. He's keeping you because his, of his mercy. And he's keeping you from stumbling to present you blameless because because we now have the shalom of God. We have the peace of God. We've been reconciled to God. That's how we know that he's going to present us blameless before his glory. And, and love be multiplied to you. And this is why he takes great joy in you, because he, he, he loves you. He loves you. Um, this, is, this is a really cool little letter. <laughs> it's been go so good for my soul. And then, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking just how Jude closes with these words, you know, glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time and now and forever. You, you know what he's describing there, right? Eternity. Infinity. <laughs> glory. Infinite glory. Infinite majesty. Infinite dominion. Infinite authority. Before all time, now and forever. This can only be true of God. And it's attributed to, uh, I, I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but, but Jude is a very, it's a Trinitarian little letter. The Bible's saturated with Trinitarian language about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But especially in these two final verses, this last verse, I was thinking about these words, and there's another place that, uh, where these words are used and attributed to Jesus Christ as the Redeemer of our souls. And uh, the words will be on the screen. I just, I just want to read it for you so you can see this. All of heaven celebrates... The, what Jesus Christ accomplished on your behalf and on, and on my behalf. And they'll sing a song, a new song, and the words to that song will be, Worthy are you to take the scroll, speaking of Jesus, and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. That's where I get the whole, you know, that we're kept for Jesus and kept by Jesus. Then, then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders uh, the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myri myriads and thousands of thousands. That's basically, I lost count, John says. I, ca I can't count them. With a loud voice. And what are, they, what are they saying? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the, is the one who was slain. Let's read this together. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor 
and glory and blessing. Amen? Like, this is Jesus. Why would you, why would you throw him away? The false teachers and the false Christian will throw Jesus away. But the true Christian is one who recognizes who Jesus is, and he's master and Lord. And when, when Jesus makes demands upon their lives, when Jesus makes a de- demands upon your life and upon my life, our posture is, you know, you're, that's unfair. It shouldn't be, uh, it's not that's unfair. It's that this is good for me. I don't, I, this hurts, this, this cuts deep, but I know that he, that he loves me, and he, my good is at heart as well as his glory. Let's go to the next slide. It does, the passage doesn't stop there. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, let's read this together. Let's read this loud, ready? To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen? Like, we're going to sing that in heaven one day. We're going to sing that in heaven one day. Jude ends with these glorious words. And just don't let, don't forget, don't forget these words and what they mean for your life. And, and he, he closes with the only appropriate way to close, you know, his letter in these last two verses. And he closes with a simple word, amen, which literally means so be it. We're going to sing so- a song. We're going to close in a song that you're now familiar with. The worship team can come up. And, uh, but I want to just, I just, I just want to read the words and I want you to see the words before we sing them again. This is, such a, this is such a great, I would call it a modern hymn. Remember Jesus who brought you out of Egypt. Remember he has sought you as his people. Remember he has saved you from your sin. Remember, remember him. Jesus brought you through the Red Sea. Remember mighty miracles that you have seen. Remember, you were slaves and now you are free. Remember that he is king. To the only God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the glory, honor, power, and dominion before all time and now and forevermore. Remember Jesus raised above the heavens. He's coming. He is coming with his kingdom. Do not forget he is seated on the throne. Remember what he has done. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.